angels we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply echoing their joyous strains Gloria
Tell it all. 
Welcome to Christmas of the Commons 2011. It is great to be with every single one of you. You can see we're going to have a montage of sights and sounds in store for you, all pointed toward orienting our hearts around Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who came so that we could have life, so that we could be made whole. To get things started, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would, and we're going to start by singing some stories that tell the Jesus some songs that tell the Jesus story. Let's do that together, and again, we're very glad to have you here.
Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Oh, Maddie, look. Oh, I love this one. You love all of them. They're all so pretty. Not this one. It's ugly. <laughs> Levi, I made that in the second grade. Oops, am I in trouble for calling it ugly? No, it is ugly. Look, Poppy kept it all these years, so we should probably hang it up, huh? Sure. <laughs> Poppy, what's this? Oh, that, my dear, is the box that holds the story of my life. It does? Yes, and not just my story, but yours and your mom's <laughs> and yours too, young man. <laughs> How come I never heard of it? Oh, because I neglected to tell you. But it's the greatest story in the whole world. Would you tell it, Dad, please? Tell us the story, Poppy, please. Yeah, but can it have explosions, transformers, and sword fights? <laughs> and a princess who rides a unicorn as fairies brush her hair? Oh, yes, certainly, because this is the ultimate story about everyone, every human being who's ever lived. And the best place to start a story is at the beginning. <gasps> The beginning is beautiful, Maddie. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and everything every in it, like snails and snot and slugs. Ew, Levi, <laughs> let Poppy and Mommy tell it. I'm just saying, God created everything. Even funny looking things, like the platypus. <laughs> God created all of that and more. But do you know what was his Favorite, most magnificent part of all creation? Ooh, I know. We are human beings. Yes, that's right, Maddie. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. I don't get it. Well, you see, three times in one verse, God is telling us that he created us in his very own image. He's stressing what wonderful creatures we are. Just like this ornament. Perfect. A teenage girl and a soon-to-be A simple trip far as they could see the sky was clear and the hour serene When did they know what night would bring? Lonely hearts strung across the land 
fearfully and wonderfully made, both of you. Cool. But I'm afraid that's not the end of the story. Maddie, would you come and help me unwrap this next one, please? Careful. Ouch! Careful you broke it, did not. 
I didn't mean to. Honey, it was already broken, see? It was broken. Why would you keep all the broken pieces? Yeah, Poppy, it hurt me a little. Well, I'm afraid this is the part of the story that hurts a little too. You see, God created us because he loves us. And he wanted us to love him back. So he gave us this wonderful great gift called free will. But I'm afraid we chose to rebel against God instead. We chose to sin. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. I don't get it. I do. It's why the ornament is broken. Right, Poppy? That's right. Yes, dear. Ha! But do you understand why? Ha ha! <laughs> okay, you two, that's enough. <laughs> You two are just proving my point. Like this ornament, we are broken. Fractured pieces, really. And you know, some might say this ornament is just worthless. But then why do you keep it, Poppy? Because you can still find a way to use it, like as a weapon to fight someone off. Like I can do this. Ah, leave Ah, ah, ah. Cool though, huh? The broken pieces of something might look cool, but just like Maddie got hurt, Brokenness causes pain. I don't get it. <laughs> Stop! Okay, okay, come here. Have a seat. Your Grammy is to say that the heart is the only broken instrument that still works. We used to be perfect, but something happened to us. Do you know what that was? You sinned? Yeah, that's right. And now we're all just plain shattered. I mean, I guess some of us don't really know it. Like that? Daddy's not uh, broken! Is too. Is not! Then why do you even... Stop! No! Honey... Daddy's not broken, Mom, is he? Oh, honey... I'm sorry, I believe that he is. Just like that ornament, we're all broken. But, Mom, look at all those pieces. How will we fix it? How will we help Daddy not to hurt so much? Oh, I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. Oh, son. We need someone so much more powerful than ourselves to put all those broken pieces back together again. Stop. No, son, just, just stop. I know that God works for the good of those he loves, that his plan is perfect, and that he's plotting out my happiness and my holiness. I know that he has rescued me from my guilt and my shame, and that Jesus has died and rose again. It was just a really dark, frustrating, lonely time. Uh, about the time I moved to Bozeman, I recommitted my life to Christ and really searched for his direction. And met Holly about that time um, with, with God's presence in our life, filled with hope and joy. And uh, it's such a different contrast from life before Christ. 
When I went to college, I was surrounded by people, but I felt desperately lonely. After years of rejecting Christ's invitation to a life with Him and real happiness, I finally decided to take Him up on His offer. Now we are living a life of real happiness and freedom, and we seek to please God in everything we do, together and as a family. There's something awesomely beautiful in our brokenness. In times of sadness, loneliness, grief and failure, His light shines radiantly. Knowing that He loves me for who I am, but not necessarily where I am, comforts me and humbles me. I've known about God my whole life and knew the transformation that He could bring, but why didn't I feel it in my own life or see it in very many other people's lives? But now that I've learned the tools to hear His voice personally and to heal the damage in my own life, I have felt that transformation in ways I'd never dreamed of. Am I good enough to be the son that I want to be, the brother that I need to be? Um, and the thing is, by myself, I'm not good enough because we all fall short, and I am no exception to that. But with Christ, I am good enough. I'm, I'm better than good enough. I'm awesome. I'm awesome enough to be the person that I need to be. I used to think it was pointless to dream or to hope because nothing would ever change. I would always be stuck. With Christ, I found hope and I got my dreams back. Hope is a powerful thing. I've known God my whole life. So why did I turn my back on Him? Why did I believe the lie that it was my ability, my money, my ambition that would bring security and happiness? They didn't. They brought heartache and tragedy and divorce. How do I recover? when uh, my sense of self is lost and my marriage is lost and everything I've worked for is lost. I turn to Jesus and I'm learning again to let him define me, guide me, heal me, complete me. He's the perfect answer. He's the only answer. Before Christ, I let other people define my identity. After I got to know Christ, he showed me that I was his daughter and that I was loved by him. Now, his love has allowed me to not carry the burdens that others have placed on me and has allowed me to forgive others. I've been a Christian my whole life, but after college, I found myself in a really dark place. But I've since turned my life around and now have a peace, knowing that I have my priorities straight and I'm actively pursuing a relationship with God. I used to know a lot about God, but I knew very little of what it looked like for Him to be my healer. He showed me that my words were damaging to those around me and to myself. He healed me from my fears and from my past hurts so that the overflow of my heart could be kind and gentle. My greatest struggle is the storm in my head. I contemplated suicide as a teenager just a couple years after my mom attempted suicide. I'm always thinking or stewing, but God intervenes. He gives me a different perspective and assures me he's got it under control. They said that I was different, that I didn't fit in. Their words, they really hurt. But there was one, and she told me about him. She told me he made me exactly how he needed me to be. And you know what? He loves me. God loves me. The truth is, 
I don't know where I would be if I didn't accept Christ in 1997. And even more importantly, I don't know where my family would be. I don't think I'd still be married. I'm just glad I made that decision and my family followed me. Can I really be forgiven? I have wandered so far and done so many simple things. The truth is, yes, I am forgiven. I am so thankful, God, that Jesus taught me, healed me, delivered me, and loved me. God, I think it is wonderful that your eternal purpose was accomplished by Jesus' death on the cross. Enough of that depressing brokenness stuff, because you know what? The story doesn't end there. It doesn't? Oh, no, Levi. We're just getting to my favorite part. We are? Yes, the part where we see why we celebrate Christmas. Go ahead, honey. Open the last one. Okay. Impossible for us, but not for God. It's like magic. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible says God will take our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Do you understand what that means? It means he fixes us. That's, we don't have to stay broken. That's exactly right. He saves us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his great mercy. Way cool. I get it now. <laughs> Tell it again, Poppy, please. What? Again, again, again. <laughs> okay, I'll tell it again. But first, how about some pumpkin pie? <gasps> Can we, Mom? Please. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Best day ever. Wow. Pumpkin pie, 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 best day ever. We don't have to look very far, very wide in our world to see that there are so many things that are just like that broken ornament that they talk so much about. It's true, isn't it? All around us, we see the effects of sin wreaking havoc, breaking hard and hearts and shattering dreams and crushing hope. There are all kinds of examples of what I call global brokenness. Think with me about the Holocaust of World War II, the prevalence of human trafficking around the world, the Rwandan genocide of the early 90s. Even 9-11 right here on our own soil, just to name a few. And then there's the brokenness that strikes a bit closer to home. Stuff like divorce and fatherlessness, the tragedy of abuse and all of its expressions. 
And every one of us, we see the brokenness. We feel it, don't we? We feel it to our very core. We feel the damage that the broken ornament represents, right? Parables of a world gone wrong are just part of our daily experience. See, every single one of us, we're hardwired. We have this internal sense that the brokenness that we feel and see around us, whether it's the global kind or the kind that exists in our own living rooms, we have this sense that this is not the way that it's supposed to be, that things are not the way that God intended for them to be. And all that brokenness, it points to a fundamental problem, doesn't it? We're estranged from each other. We're estranged from creation. Most of all, we are, we are estranged from God through this horrible little thing called sin, and it's no little thing, is it? Lots of people, lots of times, think about sin as just the bad stuff that we do, right? But sin is a way bigger deal than that. Sin is anything and everything that introduces damage, introduces brokenness into what was a whole and right relationship with God, sin. But there's only one person who is able to set that sin problem right and reconcile all the wrong we feel and see, and his name is Jesus Christ. Look at the book of Colossians chapter one, verses 19 and 20 with me. It'll be on the screen above my head. Colossians chapter one, verses 19 and 20. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so while we see that our world and everything in it is damaged, disordered, broken by sin, God loves it still. That includes you, every single one of you. And he loves you and he loves the world so much that he sent Jesus on that first Christmas so that everything in this world might be reconciled to him. So that all that brokenness that we see and feel could be made whole. Not just anyone could accomplish that, right? It took God himself to reconcile everything that's broken. You and I, we can't just try harder. We can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps to solve the sin problem that causes our alienation from God. God had to send his one and only perfect son, Jesus, in whom the Bible says dwelled the fullness of God. That means that Jesus Christ was actually God. He was full on God And in the fullness of God, inside of the person of Jesus Christ, he reconciled us. He reconciled creation back to him. And the Bible tells us in that Colossians text that God was pleased, pleased to live in Christ. God actually took immense and great pleasure in sending his son Jesus to be born a helpless baby on the first Christmas. Remarkable. And oh, how I wish I could stand up here and tell you that the Christmas story was all that it took for God to reconcile the brokenness of our lives and our world. I'd love to be able to stand here and say, and Jesus was born, and just by virtue of his birth on that first Christmas, everything was made new, everything was reconciled, and Jesus and everyone went on to live happily ever after. That'd be fantastic, but it wouldn't be the truth, because that is not how the story goes. It took a whole lot more than Jesus simply being born for the reconciliation God had in mind to unfold. Look at the rest of those Colossians verses. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And then watch this. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of Christ's 
blood on the cross. The wholeness and the healing and the reconciliation of the world, us included, becomes available, the Bible says, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Which is to say that it's impossible for us to talk about Christmas and what the birth of Jesus 2,000 some years ago accomplished without also talking about Good Friday, the day that Jesus died on the cross, and then about Easter, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. God loves you so much that his method of making you and me whole, his method of all of our broken pieces being put back together just like new is the death of Christ some 33 years after he was born. He loves you and me that much that he did that for you. He did that for you. Some years ago in a large city out here in the Rocky Mountain West, there lived a husband and wife. After quite a lengthy season of marriage, the man and wife, they became estranged as often happens. They separated. Eventually, they divorced. Life took each of them their separate ways, and they moved or were living on opposite coasts from each other. Some years later, however, that man returned to the western city on business. He made time to go out to the cemetery on the outskirts of town to visit the grave of their son. There he was at the cemetery, standing above their son's grave in a moment of solemn remembrance when he heard a step behind him turning. Imagine his shock when he saw his ex-wife standing there. Understandably, their initial impulse was to turn away from each other. But because they had significant emotional investment in that grave, instead of turning away from each other, they actually grabbed each other's hands and clung tightly to one another above the grave of their son. An amazing thing happened. They were reconciled. Some months later, they were remarried. That couple was reconciled by death, weren't they? And yours and my personal reconciliation and wholeness took nothing less than the death of God's one and only son, Jesus Christ, who once and forever demonstrated there is absolutely no link that the love of God will refuse to go to reconcile us to God, to make us whole. No length whatsoever. And so the question that's left for you and I to answer is this. How have you responded to God's invitation to the reconciliation and to the wholeness that he sent Jesus to give to you? How have you responded? Because you see, what's true beyond the shadow of any doubt is that God wants your heart more than he wants anything else. He wants your affection and he longs for your attention 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is the whole reason that he sent Jesus to be born in the first place. He was born to be our sacrifice so that we could be set right, reconciled to God, so that we could be made whole. Jesus was the spotless, perfect, sinless lamb of God who shed his blood, who gave his life for you and for me, for every single one of us. One of the top news stories of 2011 was the Occupy Wall Street movement. You probably read or heard something about that. The Occupy movement began back on September 17th. It began with a protest in New York City near Wall Street in a city park. Within weeks, that movement had spread to scores of community across the U.S., even around the globe. The movement's primary complaint is that the richest 1% of Americans benefit at the expense of the rest. They coined a phrase even, might be familiar to you. They say, we are the 99%. We are the 99%. And they coined that to capture the essence of their ideal. I want us together today to coin a new phrase. It's this. We are the 
We are the 100%. Will you say that with me? We are the 100%. Now, it's always a good idea to ask, what does that mean? Especially since you just said it, right? What does that mean? We are the 100%. Well, it means that you and me and all of us, every single one of us, are so incredibly loved by God that he sent Jesus for you on that first Christmas. The fullness of God in human flesh so that by his death on the cross on Good Friday, his resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday, that all 100% of humanity could have the chance to be made whole. We are the 100%. God did that for you and he did it for me, for every single person who's ever lived, who ever will live, 100% of humanity. How have you responded to Jesus' invitation, his offer? Have you said yes? To him, simply, have you said yes to him? I'm gonna ask you to take your stuff and set it aside, and I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and move into a time of prayer and listening to God. Just interact with the Lord about all we've seen and heard so far. talk into this time. I'm going to ask you to stay in a posture of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. The other part of that we are the 100% thing is that we all need Jesus. All 100% of us need Jesus. We can't by ourselves span the chasm that exists between God and us. No matter how smart we are or how much money we have, no matter how powerful we are, we can't do it. And so God did it for you. He did it for me. He sent Jesus. And so today, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how broken you feel, you can stop running from God. You can stop rebelling against him right now. And you can give him everything that he wants, which is simply your heart. You can come home to God. You can be made whole. And you can do that by asking God to forgive you, to wash you clean in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. If that's the sincere desire of your heart today, you can tell that to God and you can do it through a prayer that goes like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm broken and I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus to be born for me and then to die for me and then to rise for me. I thank you, Jesus, for taking my place, for setting me free. And here God is everything I am. Here's my heart. Here's my life, my everything. Wash me clean, please, God. Make me whole by the power of your death, burial, and resurrection. I'm yours, God, and I love you. And if you're choosing Jesus Christ today, if you're stepping into faith in him today, that is the single biggest decision of your whole life. 
It's such a big deal that around here we ask people to tell us when they made that decision. And this is a real personal thing. It's just you and God and me. Nobody else is looking around this room. If you prayed with me just then to give your heart and life to Jesus, would you be really bold and just slip your hand up and lock eyes with me and just say, yes, I'm choosing Christ today. In the back, yes, way to go, yes. Just do it now, just slip your hand up and say yes. Over there, absolutely, yes. Don't be shy. In the back, absolutely, yes. Way to go. Yeah, yes, way to go. Yes, absolutely. In the back, yes, I see you. I'm saying yes with you, yes. And there, absolutely, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yes, way to go. Christmas changes everything, doesn't it? And God, because of that, we just say thank you. What a remarkable truth it is that you took great pleasure in your fullness dwelling in Christ. You delighted in sending your son, even though you knew the trajectory. You knew that he was headed to the cross. And you did it anyway because you love us. We weren't worthy. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. You just gave it. What grace, God. And we gratefully receive Christ today. What a gift. And God, I especially pray for those who are here who are acknowledging their decision to step into faith in you for the first time today, God, that they would sense your wholeness and your life and your pleasure on them in supernatural measure, God. Pour out your richest blessings on them. That the wholeness that they experience would be unlike anything they've ever experienced before in their life. That they would feel new, God, because of you, because of Jesus, because of everything that Christmas means. We're yours, God, and we love you with all of our hearts. You're the best. And it seems real fitting that we would celebrate Jesus' birth by remembering his death and his resurrection for us. And to do that, we're going to take Holy Communion together. And Holy Communion is for people who follow Jesus Christ. It's your chance to tell God that you're grateful. It's your chance to celebrate him. Tell him you won't ever forget everything he did through his birth and his death and his resurrection. And the Bible says we're to take the communion thing real seriously. It tells us that we should take communion only after a period of reflection and repentance and reconciliation with God. And I'm going to be asking you to be about that right now. Be about confessing your sin to God, repenting of your sin, declaring to God you're putting your sin down, you're leaving it behind. You're not going to pick it back up again. I just invite you to do whatever business you need to do with God, and then whenever you're ready, just get up and go to the communion station that's closest to you. You can see we've got them in the front, we've got them in the back. If you need gluten-free bread, it's at that one back there. And when you go to the table, you'll find the bread and the cup, and you can just lead yourself in the taking of communion. Break off a piece of the bread, symbolic of the body of Christ, broken so that you could be made whole, and dip it into the cup, symbolic of the blood of Christ, shed so that you could be made whole. And those communion stations will be open and available to you 
the rest of our time together. So whenever you feel you've read, you're ready after you've done whatever business you need to do with God, you're welcome to go and celebrate Holy Communion.
today for worship and for this wonderful Christmas Eve service. In the seat backs, you're going to find glow sticks. Um, We are using these in lieu of candles to represent Jesus as the light of the world. Please be prepared to use them as we continue worshiping together. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given to mankind under heaven by which we must be saved. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And were by nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Born one night, born in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Rejoice, all you people, rejoice and be glad. For unto us a child is born, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Behold, the man who takes away the sins of the world. O holy night, the night when Christ was born. It is the night 
you hadn't noticed, Journey Church is a bit of a unique kind of church. We're unique in that we believe to the core of our being that the church, that's us, that we exist for the purpose of serving the community around us. That means that around Journey Church, we're living life on the mission of doing whatever it takes to connect people to God. Most of the time, that manifests itself in us putting a serving towel over our arm with people. That's our heartbeat. We're around about that day in and day out all year long, engaged in doing whatever it takes to connect people with God, every age and every stage of life. And serving the community the way we're passionate about serving ours, really, it takes significant financial resources very generously given by people just like you who care as deeply for your community as we do. And so here's the thing. It's real simple. It's not all pressured up. No sales pitch here. We're going to continue celebrating Jesus Christ, the greatest gift who was ever given through these powerful songs. And while we're doing that, we're simply inviting you to give a generous financial gift to further Journey's impact on our valley, on our community. Could I just ask you to give a very generous year-end gift to further all that God's doing around here, right here in our own backyard? Simply as we're singing, some ushers will be by in a few minutes to receive any gift you're moved to give. But please know, no pressure, no obligation. Let's continue to worship God that way. Heart the Herald together. Heart the Herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the Christ the everlasting 
together joy to the world. applause going make it even bigger for all these folks and all the technical folks back there yeah hundreds hundreds of hours that went into this way to go team way to go well it has been our sincere privilege to be with you to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ tonight thank you so much for being here Christmas has been made whole 
And as you know, that uh, story of the three ornaments, you, you might just take that with you and you might consider how you might use it to tell the Jesus story with someone in your life, your kids or your friends or your neighbors or so. It might be useful for you. I have four very brief things for you. First of all is this one. Would you please let us know if you made some sort of a decision for Christ tonight? There's cards in the chair pockets in front of you, pens in there as well. Just scratch your name, phone number, email on there, and would you hand it to an usher on the way out, hand it to someone with a lanyard out in the lobby. We'd love to be able to follow up with you and continue to serve you on your spiritual journey. Second thing is this. Around Journey Church, we're all about helping people just like you explore the spiritual part of your being all year long. I'd ask you just to think about an action step from tonight, uh, just as one action step. Would you consider exploring matters of faith in more depth with us in the year 2012? Maybe you could start even next weekend, New Year's weekend, with one of our weekend worship gatherings, six o'clock on Saturday night, Sunday morning at nine or 11, and we just invite you to connect with the life and community of Journey at another level. Uh, the third thing is this. We're have, we have a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna go on in this room uh, this coming week, and I know it's Christmas Eve, and I know you have things to do. How many of you have hams in the oven, even now, right? I'm gonna ask you if you'd be so kind, no pressure on this, but we gotta stack these chairs eight high when we're done, and then some guys will get in here and wheel those out. Just stack them eight high, if you will. It'll take about 15 seconds, and you'll have it all done with as many of you as there are. Fourth thing is this. No pressure on that, though. No pressure. Don't crumple your Christmas dress. Number four, please have a very, very Merry Christmas celebrating Jesus, the one who came to make you whole. I love you all. Have a great night. See ya. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. I was a seeker, I saw a